You know what the greatest club there is is the Father's Club. Can I get a witness from all the fathers in the house? Yeah. want to welcome you out this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalms chapter 10. And uh, I was just telling my wife, if, if uh, we're going to dunk the pastor on the 4th of July, it better be warm out there. <laughs> so <laughs> we are having a Sunday fun day on the 4th of July. And I have a little sign-up sheet in the foyer. And if you're in the house... If you plan on being here, we'd love to have you sign up so we kind of know what numbers we're getting and we could use some help with various things. But it's just going to be a great time to connect and, and hang out in fellowship. Psalms chapter 10, and I'm going to be continuing a Psalm Sunday series. You know, there's 150 Psalms. That means that we'll spend the next 150 weeks, about three years, in the book of Psalms. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but actually, I'm going to highlight just some of my favorite Psalms. And, uh, you know, the book of Psalms are really quite intriguing. Uh, I mean, they're rich in thought. And, and almost complicated because it you know, conveys such emotion. Uh, there's also different genres. Some of it's prophetic. Some of it is just David describing the promises of God. Some of it's retrospective and history. And, and, and so there's a rich aroma to it. Now, I want to read Psalms 10, starting in verse 14. I want to read all the way down to verse 18, the rest of the passage here. This will be my text this morning. He said, David wrote this. He said, but you have seen, for you observe trouble and grief. To repay it with your hand. And he said, The helpless commits him of the wicked, and for you are the helper of the fatherless. He said, Break the arm of the wicked and the evil man, and send out his wickedness until you find none. For the Lord is king forever and ever. The nations have perished out of his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble, and you will prepare their heart. You will cause your ear to hear. To do justice to the fatherless and oppressed, that the man of the earth may oppress no more. Let's pray. Lord, this morning we just thank you for the scriptures. And God, we're asking you this morning for revelation and insight. I pray, Lord, for everyone in the house of the Lord today that, that has a father. Father, for a revelation of who you are, a good God, where every perfect and good gift is on display. We, we receive it in our lives this morning in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. All right, so I know it's a little chilly and cold outside, but I kind of like this. <laughs> you know, I, I was taking a stroll down memory lane, and I was thinking about summers and years bygone. You know, every year, my dad would take us to Yellowstone Park, and we would stay at the K Madison Campground. Anyone ever been to Madison Campground at Yellowstone Park? Got a couple hands out there. Well, I remember when I was about nine, uh, dad took my, my hand and my sister's hand, and we walked across the Madison River. It was June, about like this right now. And it was, the, the river was flowing pretty good. And I remember I could barely stand. I had to have my dad's help to get across that river to an island right there. I felt like, you know, I could get swept away. And I've always had that memory. It's forever etched in my mind of kind of the sun shining on me and my dad holding me there together. And, and, and there's just something about that memory of his stability and his help that, that, has always stuck with me. You know, I, I felt like Psalms 10 is a fitting uh, for Father's Day. Because uh, this is the greatest club that we have, the Father's Day Club. God is a father, and he wants to show himself strong as a father. But what's interesting about Psalms 10 is the way it starts off. L look back here at Psalms 10 and verse number 1. He said, Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? And why do you hide in times of trouble? Now, we just told you that God is a father. He reveals himself as a father. But sometimes it would seem as though he is a distant or an absent father. I mean, there are moments where 
it just feels like you wonder where is God in the situation. David is, you know, speaking figuratively, of course, right now. But he's describing those moments where you, you know, wonder where is God. It seems like sometimes he's absent, distant. It might seem as though that, you know, he's not consenting with what's going on or he's just out of the picture. And what's interesting is David wasn't the only person to ever convey that. You know, Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 45 described God as a God who hides himself. I mean, there's moments where it just feels like, man, I, I wonder where God is in this is mourning. And this is what David's really doing. He's, he's describing this, this idea. The psalmist is mourning over God's uh, apparent uh, dismissal or his distance in the situation. He's mourning, where is, where is God in, in times of trouble? And maybe you can relate with that. Maybe you, know, you have walked through certain moments in time where you just think, man, where is God in the midst of what I'm going through? When, when trouble appears, I mean, trouble comes in various forms. You can have trouble with children. <laughs> you can have trouble, you know, when, when there's calamities, when there's disasters. Tr- trouble can come upon you when there's, you know, perhaps a sickness that you're dealing with or a sudden death. And, and you're like, God, where are you in the situation? You know, uh, sometimes you wonder where he is uh, when it feels like he's silent. Have you ever had those moments where you're seeking his face? And, and I've had God talk to me on occasions where he's loud and clear, but I've had other moments where it's like after I've sought him, it, there's, there's no voice, there's no reassurance. It's just like I'm, I'm, I have to just trust him in a moment. Sometimes he's silent. Sometimes it seems as though the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer. And you wonder, where is God in this situation when it seems like there's problems in governments across the world and the evil in the land and and that was Habakkuk's question. He said, God, where are you in the situation? Sometimes it would seem as though he's distant, especially if you have had a father who really wasn't involved in your life. And you kind of superimpose that view of God. Like, you know, where are you? Because it reminds me of the way I was growing up without a dad or no voice present. And sometimes this is something that people really struggle with. So I find it very interesting that this psalm starts off with David saying, uh, God, what's going on here? Because in the next verses, he's going to describe problems with wickedness in the land and, and his confusion and his questions. And, and yet in the midst of this, God is someone who shows himself strong as a father. And what I want to highlight to you is the role of a father. It is Father's Day. And I think this is something that everybody needs to know. You need to know about the role of a father if you have a father if you are a father, or if you simply want to understand God better because he reveals himself in the scripture as a father. So we're going to highlight some things about the role of a father this morning. Now, I want to jump all the way down to verse frustration that he's in. In between verse 1 and verse 14, David is you know, describing the plight, the frustration that he's in, but somewhere around the 14th verse, things start turning around. Because he's going to say this. He says, but you have seen, which is an apparent contradiction because back up in the 11th verse, the wicked are described as people who think that God doesn't see what they're doing. Oh, but I've got news for you this morning. God does see what's taking place. It says that he observes trouble and grief and will repay it by your hand. And then he said the helpless commits himself, entrusts himself to you. Have you ever felt helpless or weak? That is the place where God reveals himself as a father. And then he said, you're the helper 
of the fatherless. I love that verse, a helper of the fatherless. What this, what this says to me is that the first role of a father it is as a protector. A father is a protector. Uh, someone who uh, protects you from damage or prevents injury from taking place. And when I think about that, I think about what David said in Psalm 23. Yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's where God will be with me. Or I think about Psalm 91. When it says a thousand might fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but it will not come near me. No plague shall come near my dwelling. He's describing God as a refuge and a fortress and a tower and someone who can take care of him. You know, when, when you look at this psalm and it said that you are a helper of the fatherless, in your Bible, there's probably a little letter by that verse right there. And that letter is called a cross-reference. And in Every translation, if you do the cross-reference, it's going to take you over to Psalm 68, one of my favorite psalms. So I want you to keep a finger here. We'll come right back to Psalm 10 and flip over with me to Psalm 68, which uses similar language about the people that God really cares for. He cares for the poor, he cares for widows, and he cares for orphans. Psalm 68 and verse 5. Think about what the psalmist said right here. He said, you are a father... Of the fatherless. Oh, I like that. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. The first thing we can say about God in his role as a father is that he is a protector. That is the role of a man in a family. I like what David said in Psalm 18. We are studying the Psalms this summer, so I'm quoting lots of Psalms. He, he said, you're a rock, you are a fortress, and you are my deliverer. I think that really could describe the protective capacity of God as a father. He is a rock. He is something for which you can build the foundation of your life upon. You know, when, when you have a foundation, it's a good building place so that you can build an identity. Real fatherhood is about establishing an identity in a person. And when identity is established, what it does is it creates a sense of security within a child. When a child has been affirmed, when he's got a father figure in his life, you, you notice that children that have that are not you know, antsy or scared or insecure. They're confident because they know that they're loved. And I'm telling you that the root cause of the problems in our society today is the delinquency of the father figure in a home. Whether they're absent or uninvolved or they're not even in the picture. And what it's done in society today is create all kinds of confusion in people. That's why we have a society that is so confused. And really where you see it is especially in young people who are confused about whether or not they're boys or girls today. It's like an epidemic in the school system. And because the, we've allowed that to run rampant, I mean, we, we don't even understand what the unintended consequences of that will be in a generation to come. I mean, it's really a wild place. You have to have a father to help establish a sense of identity. And, you know, God is our father. And so that takes place in the natural. It takes place in the spiritual. He's a father in, so that we can be secure in our position in Christ, that he's made you righteous, that he's done great things in your life. He's called you a child of God, a joint heir with him. You don't have to wonder and question, am I saved? Does God care about me? Does he love me? No, he cares about you. He's paid a price for you. He's a father, and he wants to protect for you. See, he's, he, he's your rock. He's your foundation. Yeah, And he's called a fortress. I like that. He, he's a, a protective barrier. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, 
and the righteous run into it, and they are safe. In my home, when I'm working in my yard from across the house, I can hear little children screaming and crying and running towards dad because they know that's where there's a place of safety. And sometimes I come home, I get overwhelmed and mobbed by three children who want to jump all over me because they view dad as a strong tower, a place of protection. Hey, listen, the role of a father is to protect their children. And you know, you got to protect them from things that you see in the world, man. <laughs> you you got to protect them from, you know, things that might watch on TV, things that they might hear. I mean, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Because the father up above is watching. That's what the Sunday school song says, right? And it's the same way with God. He's a protector, and he wants to protect you from certain pitfalls and trouble and situations that you're facing, and he will get the message across to you. He, he, he will stop you sometimes and hedge you over into his tower. He's also a deliverer. A, a father is a source of wisdom, and wisdom will deliver you from wickedness and evil. That's why it says in, in Proverbs 22, one of my wife's favorite verses, that a wise man foresees evil and hides himself. Wisdom is the ability to see evil at a distance and understand that you can turn and go a different direction. And, you know, it's the most amazing thing because it really is as simple as asking questions. I mean, you know, it's amazing in this season of my life how many questions I have to answer. I am answering questions every other minute. I mean, I was driving my son to church this morning. He asked more questions. I couldn't even comprehend all of them. You ever had those moments as a dad? You're like, I, I don't know. I'm checked out right now. <laughs> but, you know, I can relate with him because I remember asking my dad questions years ago. And I still remember the stuff he told me, even though he has been, you know, passed away for 20 years, I still remember stuff he said. I still remember those moments, the things that he talked about. And, and it's like it's forever etched in my mind. And to this day, when I'm confused, when I don't know what to do, I've got some men who I perceive have wisdom, and I will ask them questions. And, and you know what? If, if they don't have the answers for it, I go to God for some of the answers. Think about what it said here. It said that he's a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation? Sometimes the questions uh, of your heart exist in the holy habitation of God. You can only find certain things in the presence of God. And so when you don't know what to do or you're confused, you can go to your heavenly father, who the Bible says is able to give you wisdom when you need it. He, he is a father, and his voice speaking into your life with wisdom will protect you from certain problems that you might face. How many of y'all could use some protection? In this world, I know that's the role of a father. He's there to protect you from certain things that are in your path. So the first thing we can say is that the role of a father is a protector. Now, Psalm 68 here, I'm still in this chapter. Look at verse number six. Here's the second thing that we can say about God's role or, or the role of a father. I like this verse. It says that he sets the solitary. The New American says it settles the solitary or the lonely into families. One translation says he puts the, the, the lonely in homes. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but it says the rebellious will dwell in a dry land. Now, let me give you a second role of a father, and that has to do with being a provider. A father is a protector, and a father is a provider. That means that he makes something available. 
it means that there's a, a supply. And that's what the Bible says. He supplies all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is what God says about himself. Think about that. He's named himself a provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. Genesis chapter 22. He makes provision for something. And the nature of God is to be a provider. When you have a need, God wants to show himself as your provider. And the trick to understanding his provision and realizing it in your life is to need him to come through in a situation. Sometimes we think of being needy as if it was a curse, but sometimes there's moments when you have a need and the best thing you can do is go to your father and rely on him so that he might show himself strong. He called himself a father of the fatherless and it says he'll set the lonely, he'll set orphans, he'll set widows, he'll set the needy in a home. Listen, God settles the solitary. If you could read the Hebrew language and you could use cross-references and look up what the verse is talking about, he's identifying Israel as being settled in the land. It says that God removed the nations in Canaan, and it says in Psalm 44, but he planted Israel, and he planted them with a purpose. And, and listen, this is what happens in the spiritual and in the natural. I mean, in the natural realm, I've seen God come through in situations and put people in homes. Because I do remember being married to Elizabeth, and we were at our first time looking for a house. You remember that, baby? Yeah. God had spoke to me to go and, and get a house. We had been living with my mom. Shout out to mom. Thanks for letting us hold up for free there in the house. <laughs> Some money saved up, and we, we started looking for homes. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a little while later. We, we got into a place there, figured it out. I just remember that God did it. And I think about Elizabeth's mom, uh, my mother-in-law, Trudy. She moved from Nova Scotia all the way out to Lethbridge, Alberta. She wanted to be closer to family. and She was looking for a place and looking. And, you know, it took a while, but God opened up the right door, the right location. She's in an apartment. She's in the best situation she's ever been in. And, and it's just a blessing. She, I mean, she, she, everything opened up. He put homeless people in homes. Hey, I, I got a whole crew from the city of Portland back in the church over there. We haven't been by Portland crew. And I told him God was going to come in at the 11th hour and provide homes for people who moved to the city of Billings. And did he come through? He came through. Mm -hmm. And I love watching that because sometimes you think to yourself, what is taking place? God, where are you? But he puts homeless people in homes. And just think about what's happening in, in the market right now. I mean, it, it's like, man, house prices have gone up, if you haven't noticed. Yeah. And I was talking to another family. They, we prayed for a home. And, and they were praying. They wanted to move from the place that they were. I asked them this week, did you get a home? And they said, we got it. And we weren't even the highest offer. Because that's what God does. He puts you in the home that you need. He does it in the natural, but he also does it in the spiritual. He, he's adopted us into the family of God. And, and his... See, at one point, you and I were strangers. We were foreigners. We, we, we didn't have a home in the, in the spirit. We, we were ostracized. We were kept out of the things of God. But through his spirit, through his blood, because he's a father, he's brought you into a home. And listen, he, that's called the family of God. It, it might be a home here. In, in, in this church, there's a lot of good churches and buildings. There's places to be at. But God has a home for his people. He's got you set up for good things, and, and he can place lonely people in homes, naturally and spiritually. And then it says that he brings those who are prisoners into prosperity. Think about the role of a father here. He, he's a provider. 
He provided for Joseph when he was locked up and came out of prison to be the second in the land. He, he's talking here about Israel coming out of the bondage of slavery in Egypt to come into the promised land. Think about Peter being locked up in prison and God made him a preacher of righteousness. And what I have discovered about God, because I've walked through it, is when you've been locked up, bound in sin, and you get set free and delivered, God will bring you into a broad place. I know it because I've done it. And I remember my life when I was a rebellious teenager. I remember one time I was working at the Laurel Golf Club, and my dad showed up. Dad never showed up at the golf course. He showed up, and he said, uh, are you trying to, I was rebellious. He said, are you trying to get a fake ID? And then I was like, no, where would you hear some crazy thing like that? You know where he heard it? My sisters were listening through the Forvlents with cups. That's how he heard it. I found out later. Yeah. <laughs> I had told him, no, no, no. I do remember, though, when I was living in sin, I couldn't get nothing to work out right. You ever been there? Man, when you're a prisoner of sin, it's like, man, nothing seems to go well. That's why you end up with drama. That's why you end up frustrated, broke, busted, and disgusted. Nothing seems to work. But I do remember the day I got my heart right with the Lord, and it was like the heavens opened, the favor of God was there. He takes people who are in prison, and he brings them into prosperity. And and my dad, who, who was there as a protector, he became a great provider of spiritual insight and spiritual wealth. I mean, I was so grateful to have a spiritual father who could guide me and give me insight into things. And, and, and man, that's what God does. He is a provider. You know how God made provision for you? He, he, he made provision through the blood of his covenant. Man, there's something about that covenant that's a powerful, powerful thing. My son, who's starting to read, asked me, he said, why is there an old covenant and a new covenant? And then he wanted to know which one is better. I said, well, the new covenant is called a better covenant established on better promises. And I was, I mean, think about what's in the new covenant. You've been forgiven in that covenant. You've been, there's healing that's been provided for in that covenant. He's given you righteousness in the place of sin. He's given you abundance in the place of poverty. He's given you a, 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 a glory in the place of shame. I mean, think about all that God has done in that. He, he's been a, he, he's given you acceptance for things. I mean, there's something about the heart of God, that he wants to reveal himself as a provider in your life. Has God provided for you? Think about how good he's been. He, he is faithful in everything he does. He is a provider. That's what he wants to set himself up as. I'm here to provide for you. And if you know God as a father, you know that's the truth. He's a provider. It's in his nature. It's in his heart. Now, let's go back over to Psalms chapter 10 here. I want to highlight the third thing that we could say about God in his role as a father, and this applies to all fathers. I'm going to start here in verse number 17. Uh, Psalm 10, verse 17. He said, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You know, humility is a great attribute, and when you seek the Lord in true humility, God always hears. Humble in this verse is talking about destitute and neediness. Remember, God cares about the poor. He cares about death. He cares about orphans. And he cares about widows. That, that, that's what moves his heart. And so when he said, Lord, you've heard the desire of the humble, he said, you'll prepare their heart and cause them, cause your ear to hear them, to do justice to the fatherless. Remember, he's a father of the fatherless. He's a defender of the widow. He's a helper of the helpless. 
that the man of the earth may oppress no more. Now, here's what I see in this third verse. It, it has to do with the role of a father as a peacemaker. A father is a provider, he's a protector, and he is a peacemaker. You know, peacemaker is the word Jesus coined in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 9, in the Beatitudes, in which he said, blessed are the peacemakers. I do remember being little, and the, fir the first time I heard someone say it, that there is a difference between a peacemaker and a peacekeeper. And a father is a peacemaker. As I understand the role of fatherhood, it has to do with making peace between warring parties. It's knowing how to build bridges, and, and, and that's the role of a father. God does that. That's what fathers do. Uh, they make peace against adversity. They make peace within a family. They, they make peace when there's insecurity taking place. And, and I think it's important that we understand that the word peacemaker should be interpreted literally. It's something that has to literally play out, and in order for it to literally take place, then what we have to understand is it's going to require some people skills, interpersonal relationships, and your ability to, to, to relate and know how to deal with situations. You know how God makes peace? Sometimes peace is made when there's conflict and through confrontation. I think about what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 when it describes the father as someone who has no problem bringing correction into your life. And it tells us that he loves you enough to correct you. That's the go-to answer when my son gets a spanking. Why is daddy spanking you? And he says, because he loves me. Because <laughs> I love him. And listen, I, you know where I learned that from? I learned that from God, who is a father and is well able to provide correction. I mean, he will correct you when you're getting off course. And it's because of his love. And, you know, if you want to know the truth about it, I've had God speak more to me in corrective terms than in terms of just affirming me and telling me he, he loves me. I, I mean, I've had both experiences, but he will correct you because he loves you. He cares about that. There's a corrective nature to God. He's watching out for you as a father. This is where you've got to learn, if you're a father, how to speak the truth in love and how to have honest conversations that can be difficult with people. Honest conversations... Speaking the truth in love, being, being able to be truthful and calm, that this is the way that you can make peace in situations. Can, can you provide relationships? And by the way, in order for you to be a corrective force as a father, you're going to have to build a relationship. Without relationship, there's really no avenue for you to always provide correction. If someone is always providing correction without love, without affirming, without building a relationship, it will not be received. This is what God the Father does. He, he makes peace, but he does it through correction. He makes peace. Another way he does it is through communication. How many problems in a home would be solved if men would simply communicate? Can I get a bigger amen from the women? Because <laughs> if you would just know how to communicate, God has delegated his authority to husbands and fathers and men. And if a man will take his position in a home and come loving, you, without being passive, without being mamby-pamby and weak-willed, but just be direct, strong, firm, and loving, you can solve many problems. Fights, fusses, and quarrels start because you got men sometimes that just stay introverted in their shells without knowing how to communicate and relate in a family. Yeah, peacemaking. 
The thing about peacemaking that's so funny is it's really quite simple if you simply know how to get families together. Because I've had this happen to me as a, as a pastor. I've had it happen as a son, as a father. You might have two people in a home, and they are angry at each other. And you could go to one and say, why are you angry? And they'll say why they're angry. You could go to the other one, and they'll say why they're angry. And I found that the way to make peace is to not speak about the negative characteristics, but to speak about the positive characteristics. I've had to sit down with people, and I've had to say, you know, what's the problem here in this relationship? They'll tell me, and I'll say, well, you know what this person said about you? They said that you're really good with your money. And I'll kind of smile a little bit. And then I'll go to the person who had the problem. I'll say, hey, what's going on? With this person, they'll say, well, I said, you know, they said you're great with money. And when they heard that, they said, well, that you're an honest person, have integrity. And then that person will cheer up a little bit. You can bring people together. You can make peace with the words of your mouth, with your ability to communicate. This is what God does. He's describing himself as a father to the fatherless, as someone who can do justice. Yeah. See, this is what God does. He makes peace. This is what fatherhood is, making peace. Maybe it's confrontation. Maybe it's communication, but I'll definitely tell you where the, another one is, and that's through compassion. I mean, think about how much compassion it takes for you to make peace in a situation. It's easy to check out because you're dealing with six-year-old knuckleheads. Come on, somebody. It's easy to check out because you're frustrated with the way that someone's treating you, but God looks at us with great compassion. He remembers our frame, and he knows that we are dust. Our lives are like a vapor of smoke. That means it goes real fast, and he understands the weaknesses that you're struggling with. And, and, and he looks at us with great compassion. You know, it takes compassion to make peace as a father in a home. I, I know it because I have to have compassion on my children, man. They're fighting over who got the orange sippy cup, who gets the blue one. I mean, it, I have compassion because the thing about little children is they appear to be tripping over everything. You know, I mean, they, they sneak up behind you, you step on them, they trip over the stairs, I, always falling down and crying and getting in bike wrecks, and, and, and you could get frustrated about it, but you know what? I have compassion on them, because that's the state of life that they're in. And think about how God looks at us in certain situations, making mistakes, doing stupid things, and yet his compassion is right there for you. You know what compassion allows you to do? When you look at someone with the eyes of love, what you're able to do is see truth in a situation. And when I have compassion, it helps me be discerning and know what to do. Compassion is one of those things that you can use so that you can make peace in a situation. This is what the role of fatherhood is about. It's about being a peacemaker. It's about being a protector and about being a provider. Now, I was walking down memory lane. And I was thinking about that trip to Yellowstone. I'm crossing the Madison River with my dad. I mean, the river was flowing. And, and it was like, you know, going all around me. And I thought, man, that was pretty crazy. I, I, I don't know if I would do that again. Except that the next day, I went ahead and did it again without my dad. And I'll never forget the feeling I had. I got out there in the water, and it was like the river just started pushing me along. I couldn't quite swim. I mean, it was just at my toes. I was about eight, nine, and, and I started going down that river. And I remember, I was like, man, I, I could drown. I had that awareness. I, I wasn't quite sure what, I could just keep my head afloat. I couldn't get back to the shore. I felt all alone. And that might be where you're at this morning. You might feel like, God, where are you in, in this situation? Where, where's your provision? Where's your protection? Where's your hand 
in my life, what, what's taking place. You might be just drifting down the river and you might be questioning, God, where are you? But you know, God showed up in that moment for me in the form of a fly fisherman about a half a mile down the stream who plucked me out of the water. And I had to get out of there and climb up. And I'm glad he did because I could be heading down Yellowstone Falls, you know? I mean, that could have been it. But someone was right there to pick me up. And that's, God, he will use all kinds of people and situations. He, he's a father. And, and you might feel like, where are you? But he's right there. He's watchful. He's protected. He's got his eye on you. Now, maybe this morning, you are a father. And if you are a father, maybe we should ask some questions about your role as a protector. Are you protecting your children? Do you have a watchful eye over them? One of my favorite preachers, the guy who's on television, has got the second largest viewership in America. I mean, he's really hitting out of the park. But he disclosed that when his daughter was 11 and she was on her tablet, she started viewing pornography. And from the ages of 11 to 14, she became like almost addicted to porn, had to go to like a rehab. But because he, he wasn't watchful, he wasn't protecting what his children were doing. And that's what it's going to take. Maybe as a father, you're going to have to identify what protection looks like for you. As a parent, what does it mean to be watchful in the life of your children? Or maybe it has to do with providing for them. I've discovered that provision for children, providing for people, is really all about being intentional and making plans. And I know some people, they just fly along and they see their pants and never really have any plans. And, and so they haven't prepared anything for their children in terms of an inheritance or helping them through situations. They don't make plans for traveling or vacations or make it fun. And, and, and maybe this morning, if you're a father, you need to recognize that you need to be intentional and, and, and really like succinct in your planning, get it figured out, put it on paper, get some ideas set so that you can provide for people. If you're a husband, think about date nights, think about getting things to be, be a man who's organized. Get it ready to go for a wife. Or, or maybe it has to do with making peace in your home, not checking out, but checking in and knowing how to communicate with your children, talk to them, talk with a wife, be an involved parent. So much of parenting and fatherhood is simply just involvement. Like, like I, I'm, I'm right here, I'm involved, and, and that involvement has residual effects over time. And that, that could be where you're at if you're a father. But maybe this morning you don't, you, you're not a father, and you feel like that God hadn't been there for you, or, or, or that you, know, you struggle because you want a father in your life. And what he reveals himself as is a father of the fatherless. He's a helper. He, and he's right here. His spirit is right here to affirm you and to build you and to tell you that he loves you. Fatherhood is about affirmation. I feel in my spirit there's people who don't feel affirmed. And that is so much in our society right now. And the, and the father of lights is here this morning and he's affirming you and saying that I love you and that I've got you and even though you might feel like you're floating down a river, there's a fly fisherman just a half a mile down. That's who God is. He'll show up strong in your life if you let him, if you just receive him with open arms. And I just want to pray that over you this morning. How many of you want to grow as fathers? If you're a father in this morning and you want to grow, I want to pray that over you right now. If you're in this room 
as a father. I believe that God has positioned this church with fathers to reach a generation. I believe he's strategically and specifically positioned us because I'm telling you on the horizon, there is a great, great move of God with, with young men and women and God wants to get us in the right place. Let's pray that. Father, I just thank you in this house. There's men of God here, men who love you, men who know you, men who want to serve you. And God, I pray that we would step up in our authority. I pray not for weak men, but for strong men. I pray, Lord, whether they're 80-year-old grandparents or 25-year-olds with children, God, I pray right now for their wisdom to increase. God, I pray that you give them a backbone of protection. God, give them the wisdom to know how to provide. And Lord, I thank you for you revealing yourself as a father. You are the father of the fatherless. And Lord, I thank you for that revelation in our hearts. I thank you, Lord, it's increasing 30, 60, and 100-fold. I thank you for men and fathers in this room who are increasing in their capacity and their ability to steward and shepherd over a family. I thank you for greater authority, greater wisdom, greater revelation. And I pray for people who are not yet fathers, but God, you've put it in their heart to become one. And Lord, I thank you for sowing that, that seed that it would start small but grow. I thank you for fathers all across the room Mm, being blessed. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness in our lives. Amen. Amen. Lord, I pray over the fatherless. Ooh, I thank you, Father, for people who are growing in their knowledge of God. I pray that you would reveal yourself as a father. I pray for intimate alone moments and little things that we would notice where you show yourself strong on our behalf. You've not forgotten us, but Lord, you're right there when we need you. I just thank you, Father, for highlighting that, revealing that in greater ways, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I, I feel in my spirit, God has got us positioned. And one thing that, that he's working out in me, and I see it in, in, in the life of other people, is this idea of fatherhood. Sometimes you have it in your heart that the, the greatest thing you can be with God is a son or a daughter of God. Well, let me tell you something. God really wants you to grow from sonship into fatherhood into motherhood. He wants you to impart what you have into someone else. That is his design. And that's what he's prepared us for. I see that taking place. I, I feel it in my heart. You know, I was thinking about not just trips that we had to uh, Yellowstone Park, but often we would go to Disneyland because my grandma lived in Southern California. She was like five miles, three miles from Disneyland. So we'd go there quite a bit. And the thing about going to Disneyland, my memories are that my dad had a big red shirt. And he wore a red shirt every year we went in case we got lost. We could look for that red shirt. He, I mean, he did have a permed Afro puff and a red shirt. <laughs> and so I just, I would look. And you, I had a moment there where I got lost. I got disorientated. I didn't know where everybody was, but I knew to look for the red shirt. And when I found that red shirt, I could come running to dad. I felt safe and I mean, there's something wonderful about that big red shirt and that fuzzy hair. I remember that. Yeah. Maybe you feel lost today. Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you feel like you don't have a family. And I'm just telling you, you got to look for the red shirt. That shirt is worn by a man who stained it in red, in the blood of Jesus. His blood on that shirt is what you can come to and run after. And he's there to hold you securely and safely. And there's something about the grip of a father that you can't get away from. It'll hold you safe and secure. That's who our Father is. So if I could get every head bowed, every eye closed, if you need to find a red shirt stained in the blood of Jesus this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. Put a hand up, and we'll pray with you. 
There's a red shirt with your name on it. You can find security in the arms of Jesus. His eternal love, his life. Father. Amen. Will you, will you stand up with me this morning? What a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I feel the, the freedom and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I just, if, if you need prayer this morning, our altars are open. And I can't help but feel the, the Father is present here as a provider. I don't know what needs you're facing, but I feel like there's an atmosphere in this room to have prayers answered. I feel like God wants to show himself strong on your behalf. He wants to reveal himself as a helper of the fatherless, a defender of the widows. He's a fortress. He's a rock. And if you need an answer to prayer, I I believe that God will meet you this morning. So we want to invite our altar team down, and we want to pray with you if that's something in your heart. Uh, I want to also challenge you, man, we're going to have a great day on the 4th of July. The 4th of July is on a Sunday, and that means that you may have half a crowd, or you might have a lot of opportunity to bring people out to church. So invite someone out on the 4th of July. We'd love to have them come out and uh, celebrate with us. We're going to have a great time. We've got water slides blow up, so it'll be a ton of fun, and we could use your help with that. So if you're here, sign up there, make plans for it. It'd be great to have you. Man, we love you very much. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. We value you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. All right, we love you all. We'll catch you next week.